Welcome to the week ahead. This is Advisor Petey and Tomatica's research look into trends and moves that will be important to your advisory in the upcoming week. This is Doug Heikinen. Please welcome Tomatica's Chief Investment Officer, Chris Versace, and Lenore Hawkins, their Chief MicroStrategist. Welcome. So this week, very different week from last week, wasn't it, Chris? The last week of January, whoa, I mean, you saw the Dow and the New York Stock Exchange Composite all close below their 50-day moving average. All of the, the major indices fell more than 3% on the week and they had their worst week since October. Well, that all changed this past week. They had their best week since November. Now, now why was that? Well, I think it was, wasn't it because Elon Musk started tweeting again? It could be, could be. <laughs> But what was really going on, the markets are looking at the decline in the virus counts, their expectations for a speedier vaccine rollout, getting a little bit more positive about that. There's expectations for some massive government stimulus. We'll talk a little bit about that too today, about what the real impact of that is going to be. Expectations for continued loose monetary policy. And so far, earnings have been a lot stronger than expected. In fact, we're halfway through earnings season and about 80% of the companies that have reported so far have beaten their estimates, which, okay, that sounds great, right? 80% have beaten the estimates. Fantastic. Except the earnings estimates for this quarter that's currently being reported are now $39.54 for the S&P 500. That's up a lot from the $36.50 that was expected at the end of 2009, but that number is way below what was expected in 2019. That was $46. So right now, earnings are 14% below what they were projected to be a year ago, and the S&P is 20% higher. And if you go back two years to see what expectations were for this current quarter being reported, they're 24% below that, and yet the S&P is 54% higher. So we're paying a lot more for a lot less. You, you make it sound like there's a big disconnect ever so slightly. In fact, the market now is trading at nearly 20 times the 2022 earnings. And all of that is hinging on expectations for EPS growth of more than 15% in 2022. Wow. I mean, that, that, that is outside what we normally see, to put it mildly. And in fact, if you look at what's been doing really well in the market, the most shorted stocks have really outperformed this year by about 25 percentage points. And if you look at the aggregate market cap of all the stocks that make either no money or they're losing money, that has tripled since the March lows. And that's about six times the pace of the rest of the market. So what's really performing, the best is garbage. Thank you, Robin Hood. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the economic data. What caught your eye last week? And what are you looking for in the coming week? So what we just got this morning, we got the uh, jobless reports. We got a lot of jobs data. So the jobless claims on Thursday, a lot of people happy. They came in better than expected. But if you look at the challenger data on layoffs, layoffs are at the highest level for any January since 2009. That's not a great sign. And the number of layoffs that are due to a downturn in demand has soared 26 times the past over 26 times the past year. And the share of total layoffs has just hit an all-time high. Uh, the number of new hirings has fallen to an eight-month low in January. So that's not really painting a, a particularly good picture. And then if you look at the Friday's job report, well, incomes are strong. 
Uh, the work week rose to a record high, 35 hours, so that's great. But the bad is that job growth came in a lot weaker than expected. Uh, 49,000 jobs were added versus 105 expected, so less than half. And if you look at the diffusion metrics, they plunged from 61.9% in December to 48.1%. That's the lowest reading we've seen since April, which means that more than half of the private sector industry shed jobs in January. And even worse, the two prior months of jobs were revised down a total of 159,000. And those declines were pretty fairly broad across all sectors of the economy. Uh, state and local governments did hire back about 67,000, which ended a four month streak of declines. But that means that if you look, take those jobs out, right, because the, private, the, the public sector, that's not really adding to GDP, right? Because that's, that's tax dollars paying for that. If you take them out, that means- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you making a dig at government employees? Not just look at just the just the numbers, right? That's okay. the, the right. public right. sector. Where the money comes from the public sector, that comes out of either taxes or borrowing to pay the, the, the public sector. The private sector actually, and that's where the economy, right? That's what generates the economy, that lost 18,000 jobs. So overall, not a great picture. We're also seeing some other things that are kind of creeping up in the data from last week. And, and the one that jumps out of me, and I, we heard this from some companies as well, it, it really speaks to uh, supply chain constraints and potential um, inflationary Inflation. pressures that are brewing. Um, you know, we've heard from the auto companies, can't get parts, can't get chips. Uh, they're, as a result, they're idling some lines in their production mm -hmm. facilities. Even Qualcomm, whose growth rose 63% year over year in the December quarter, largely on the 5G ramp of smartphones, said could have been better, but supply constraints. And that, that starts to get me kind of a little worried about that. And there, there's some great, a great quote by um, Chris Williamson. He's the chief business economist over at IHS Market. We, we look at his data all the time. Um, he said this in the January US excuse me, manufacturing PMI report. Again, direct quote. Manufacturers are encountering major supply problems. However, especially in relation to sourcing inputs from overseas to what a lack of shipping capacity. Lead times are lengthening to an extent not previously seen in the survey's history, meaning costs are rising as firms struggle to source sufficient quantities of inputs to meet production needs. And then in the sister report, the January uh, US services PMI, Williamson also noted that rising costs have fed through to higher prices charged for goods and services which rose in January at a rate not seen since at least 2009. Inflation, he says, looks likely to be pushed higher in the near term. Now- And we even, we heard from Peloton this week as well. Peloton is incurring costs that are about, their shipping costs are gonna be about a hundred times what they normally are supposed to be. They had to send an email out to everyone apologizing for the long delays. We're hearing this across the board. We're hearing this um, out of Italy. A lot of the furniture manufacturers are saying they're having a really tough time sourcing raw materials and logistics overall with shipping is just become a real nightmare. So I understand your concern with inflationary pressures, but we have to kind of narrow that down when we're talking about inflation, what do we really mean? Inflation for me is not really a spike, a transitory spike in costs because we're kind of putting the pig through the snake right now, right? Everything had to come crashing down with the pandemic and lockdowns and nothing was moving. And now we're trying to get everything moving really fast and get it going again. And that's not going to go smoothly, right? This isn't a car that you can just turn on and off. So while we're seeing some transitory spikes, if you take a step back and look at the bigger picture of how do we really get this inflation going, well, even the jobs report this Friday 
gave us indications that there's not a lot of possibility there. Average hourly week earnings were weaker than expected, rose just 0.2% versus 0.3%. That's really not inflationary. And what else we're seeing is that while M2, so that money supply defined by M2, has grown about 25% over the past year, the velocity of money has plunged. So that means that money that's going into the economy is really coming out very quickly. It's just going into savings. Banks aren't lending because borrowers aren't really borrowing that much because everybody's still nervous. And we're continuing to see the savings rate ticking up. So as long as that velocity and the velocity of money really talks about the number of transactions, as long as people are really hunkering down and they're not spending, tough to get that inflation going. And let's not forget the massive amount of debt all across the corporate sector and the public sector that's really a big anchor on getting things going too hot. That's certainly all true. That's all true. I, I think as we go through the balance of the earnings season, though, um, myself and a bunch of others are going to keep their ears to the earnings reports, as it were, listening for similar comments. And it likely means uh, watching uh, producer price indices to see what happens. We don't know necessarily that these companies will be able to pass along these price increases, something to watch. Um, but in the near term of the PPI reports and the other PMI data that we'll be getting for February, March and stuff, all those uh, under the headline light items will be rather insightful ticking through all of this information. But right. um, next week we get the CPI report. So that'll be useful. That'll be useful. I think, you know, what's interesting to me is after such a deluge of data this week, we, we there's really not much next week. On, on no, the, next on, week's going to be a nice little break. The earnings are still going hot, but <laughs> we, right, we don't right. have as much, quite as much on the, the economic front, which will be nice. Yeah, that's right. So, so just let, let's segue over to the earnings. Like we were saying earlier, about 59% of the S&P 500 is reported uh, this past week alone, about 20%. And yeah, better than expected. And this has led to an upward revision in 2021 consensus EPS for the S&P 500. About two weeks ago, 169.59, and now about 172.05. In dollar terms, yes, that's a modest increase. We acknowledge that. But it does take the expected EPS growth over the 2019 to 2021 period to about 5.5%, and that's up from previously about 39 So moving in the right direction, better, not robust. And much of that hinges on the expected rebound in the second half of 2021. So one of the criticisms of the market, and heck, we've made it ourselves, is that valuation metrics, especially the market PE, had gotten rather stretched. And to see a sustained upward move in the market, we would need more E in the PE. Uh -huh. We would need that to move higher, in other words. We're starting to see it. The question is, will it continue to happen? We'll be talking about that with you in the coming weeks. Um, next week, though, um, you know, we're going to see if this trend continues. We've got about 640 companies reporting next week, 90 more S&P 500 companies. Um, what this means is before we get out of here for President's Weekend, long weekend, market closed on President's Day, uh, about 77% of the S&P 500 will have reported. We'll get a real better sense as to how 2021 EPS for both the March quarter and for all the full year are kind of, you know, coloring in between the lines, if you will, how firm they are. So what's on tap this week? Uh, from a thematic perspective, we've got cybersecurity, uh, Cisco Systems, CyberArk, and CloudFair are going to report what was the fallout from uh, the solar winds uh, debacle at the end of the year, as well as are they seeing that robust year-over-year -year growth as a result of the pandemic. Uh, flavor, we have both international flavors and fragrances and sentient reporting over the next couple of days. 
We know there's a continued shift to organic natural flavors. Let's see what they have to say. I suspect that business is gonna be a barn burner for them. Uh, we get a lot of economic data that we tend to chew through, but it's always nice to hear what companies have to say. With that regard, what do MGM Resorts, New Skin, and to some extent, Coca-Cola have to say about the economy in China? Uh, on the ride-sharing front, Uber and Lyft. These are gonna be interesting reports. One, are people Ubering and Lyfting around more? That's the first question. But second, what are they going to say about the Biden stimulus package that looks to potentially okay. boost minimum wages? And third, especially in the home state of one of us for California, we know those businesses are under attack because of the gig worker issue. So we'll have to see. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say about that. And then finally, on the home building front, we've got Zillow, we've got Masco, we've got Redfin. We know inventory in the uh, home building market is getting low again. We know prices are going higher. What are these companies seeing? Where do they think it's gonna go? Uh, and outside those themes, just two other companies I wanna mention real quick, Simon Properties. This is a REIT that focuses on malls. Why do I wanna pay attention to this? What is the state of the mall? What is the state of the consumer? And how bloody is it out there in retail land? And then finally, I'm not saying this because I like The Mandalorian. I'm not saying this because I like WandaVision. Heck, I'm dressed like Batman as I do this. Um, Walt Disney reports, and I want to know what they are seeing, uh, not only for Disney Plus subscriptions, potential price hikes there, but when do they think the parks might start to open? When do they think movie production will start to roll again? Um, those are the big ones for me. And I think... Outside of the earnings front, the only two other things to really watch, uh, both in Washington, um, one is going to be to see the speed at which Biden's stimulus plan progresses through Congress. And then I know I just talked about Walt Disney and the big show and stuff, but one of the biggest shows is going to happen next week in Washington. Impeachment of President Trump. There we go. That, that'll, that'll be a show. And that is your week ahead. Great. <clears throat> Thanks so much, Chris and Lenore. To do a deeper dive into what they're thinking, go to tomaticaresearch.com. To subscribe to the week ahead, go to advisorpedia.com and hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much, everybody. This is Doug Heikinen.